0: This is Agents Influence Podcast.
1: Our industry is great, but for us to compete at the next level, we need 100,000 more salespeople. Between the direct appointments, to the aggregators, to the franchise networks, I think there's probably close to 100,000 sales force out there, but for us to compete, the next level against the big direct-to-consumer, the guy going for the rest of the world, we have to add at least one salesperson per agency that's full-time selling and that have leads pumping in, because that's the only way the industry can compete is literally just go back to the simple stuff, the basics.
0: I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family. And in the end, we're gonna change an industry. Let's go. Hello, all right, all right, all right, you loyal listeners. Welcome to Agents Influence Conversations with who? Jay Cass. And today I got my boy, Jeff She. On And we are going to beat up and love and caress and kiss and rub down the independent insurance agency system, the greatest in the world, because this is all I've known. But our buddy Jeff Shee has been on the other side of the river, and he will tell you that this is where the gold is. Jeff Shee, welcome to my podcast, brother. Good to have me. Yeah, um, it is good to have you. So for all you loyal listeners, just rewinding about a week and a half, Jeff, she and I were in uh, Oklahoma at the uh, great state of Oklahoma in Oklahoma City downtown at the Loft for the Young Agents uh, of Oklahoma conference. We got invited to that and we did a little speaking. Jeff did his little, his little thing. You'll kind of notice if you go to LinkedIn and you look at his po- photos, he's got a bunch of really good photos that I took. Um, you won't really see many of my photos. <laughs> Sorry, that's an inside that's an inside joke. I beat you up on that. There's no reason to, Jeff. No reason to. So anyways, um, no, Jeff and I did speak there, though. Uh, Jeff, uh, um, you, had a good, you had some really good stuff, and so did I. And at the same time, ITC Connect was going on um and uh we we both have agreed that we're going to do that again we're going to do that together next year um but jeff here we go man anything specific you want to talk about i know we do have stuff but anything comes to your mind first
1: i almost think we should do this event like at least once a month will i like, semi my monthly because there's so many things happening in the insurance world agency world and insurance tech world, yes. right? short tech, the evolution that changed the chains, insurance world, you know, PNC news, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And agency news, agency news is like the things that we see in our industry, the thing that we see in our backyard. So, let's break it down. My view, and then I'll put my view out there on each one, and then you give me your view. Okay. Big eye positives a lot of young energy agents, right? That they are passionate about this industry. They are passionate about helping people. You know, some of the committee people, I said, like, man, which y'all getting paid? And they were like, we're doing this for free. I was like, wow, you guys are doing this for free. You care about your environment. You care about the growth of the space. That was really cool to me, right? People don't know that, especially the people that are attending these events, Some just go there for C credit, but they don't give these people enough thanks that they're doing this out of their own voluntary time. What's your take on that?
0: No, I agree with it emphatically. So um, I I was one of those people. uh, In 2004, my boss said to me, uh, Mike beard, who's my favorite uh, who's my number one mentor, he told me as soon as I started with him a couple months he opened up this magazine he said, Jason, you see these young agents right here you need to get involved with them. He's like, because they're gonna teach you a lot of stuff. I went to my very first meeting I was allowed to sit outside of the committee meeting and just watch it. I left the room, I went to the uh, to the lady who was running it and I said, I need to be on that committee because I'm gonna run it And she started laughing at me and I took it offensively. I'm like, no, I'm being serious like I'm gonna run it. And at the time, I'm 23 years old. And so I did. I got appointed to it the next year, and the next year I was appointed to run the thing. Uh, we won the Young Agent Committee of the Year in 2006, 7, and 8. In 2009 was my last year. I was elevated to the National Young Agents, was there for two years, and then I chaired that. Um, did all that absolutely free. Now, the Big eye or the state Big eye would pay for my, uh, my trips to go to these to these events. But I was paid, you know, and my agency owner was on my ass about some of that stuff. Um, I've said for over and over, I owe the big eye for what they've done. I don't think I owe the big eye for how my agency runs and how I do business. But I I owe the big eye for being on this podcast and being recognized. So I really, truly do. And I believe in those young agents. And I just want to end with this. I think the national big eye is a waste of time other than legislative efforts, but I believe the state big eyes, the states, the individual states, have mm-hmm. the best intention of the agents in that state, and they want them to grow. I truly believe that with all my heart.
1: Yeah. Mm. It is Could a take good takeaway. And pivot to ITC. I never do ITC right. event, and... This is the first year that I am actively on LinkedIn and paying attention to ITC event. So if you want to read about the posts, go mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and even you know Facebook and then just look up hashtag ITC 2021 and ITC Vegas 2021. There were so many so people Jeff, there. Let me give you, so me give you my like, take
0: on that first, okay? Because this is the truth. You were okay. at the Allstate at the beginning of this. But when it started in 2008 mm-hmm. by Je, um, Jay Weintraub and by Caribou Honig, um, their whole point was was to get people together to find a pe- uh, their VCs, their venture capitalists. And they wanted to find people that they could invest in. And there was all this insure tech talk. Mm-hmm. And so they thought, hey, and anybody who is a loyal listener knows I interviewed Caribou both times before their last two events, and he's explained this. And he created this as a way to put all the people in there so he could go find people that he could invest in. And that's why I'm really surprised about this year. This year was about the agent and I think it goes to what we need to talk about here. The first two years was all about if you were an agent going to that, paying $1,500 to $1,800, Jeff, it was, a, it was a waste of time for an independent insurance agent because mm-hmm. because they didn't need agents, right? That was their game plan. Mm-hmm. And now they need agents. So now it's like the independent agent there who owns the main street business now is like everybody's in love with them. And I think that's where this year was different than um, 19 and 18, definitely. That's my opinion. They yeah. all need us in the end, Jeff. Agreed.
1: They all need us in the end. <laughs> and then I'm just watching like Nationwide just have their $350, 000, uh, 350 million venture cap um, rolled out. And I think they filled the whole 350 million fund and um there's a lot of money floating around out there last night i saw another fund that went up for 550 million and it was targeted to receive money there's a lot of investment out there that's targeting founders who have ideas and business models now can they execute it's it's a, it's a million dollar question because a billion dollar <laughs> question because they say eighty percent of the insurance tech company doesn't exit, which means not exit like they go to business. Maybe they're still running, maybe still they're running profitable, but that doesn't have the second, the next funding or the exit funding within uh, twenty-four months.
0: No, thank you. So Appreciate that. You. watching YouTube. You can see that I'm hacking back here or I'm sneezing, but I put it on mute for all you podcasters. Um, The amount of money that is pouring into it is absolutely unbelievable. I also know that a lot of people in America are not going back to work because they don't need to because over the last 18 to 19 months, they've done nothing but save. Savings in America is up 9.4%. I think, and I just read this a couple of days ago, and now it's down to like 6%. So people are starting to use their savings. But you have to think about it, Jeff Shee. Right. Most people who were paid twelve to fifteen dollars an hour made more than that with the stimulus and the work and the and the unemployment, and now they don't want to go back to work because of COVID, and they don't have to. The reason why that comes into insure tech is is the market is flush with cash, and it's continued to flush with cash because the because the economy is good. And I'm curious what happens when Wall Street starts to stutter. All the signs are there, Jeff. With what's going on in China, with what's going on around the world, all the signs are there that there could be a fault. And do you think, Jeff, I'm going to ask you, that if Wall Street decides to plummet from 35,000 to let's say 30,000 and we start to get back into a little bit of a recession, maybe not a big one, do you think that changes the way that they're dishing, doling out that money?
1: So let's go back to 20, 2008. Big short margin margin calls and too big to fail. Uh, three trilogy movie that's incredibly done. One talk about on the eyes of the big bank. One talk about on the eyes of the big government, and one we done in True. the eyes of the hedge fund company. Money is flowing. Somebody's losing. Somebody's winning. I think that people couldn't come winning out of the next big crash or adjustments, whatever you want to call it. It's the VC people. It's the hedge fund people. The people that's going to lose is always the American people or
0: True that. your middle class well said, around Jeff. the
1: world. I mean, the rich is going to get richer and they're going to buy everything, 30 cents on the dollar. That's just the way it is. The adjustments is not built for the rich, but they are the one that's in position to take strategic moves. I hate using the word strategic because it's so overused. But, you know, when we're talking about who's the one that's driving the insurtech space, Mm -hmm. it's the VCs, right? VCs money, where's that coming from? That coming from family office. That comes from the hedge funds. So who's going to get richer at every single crash? The VCs and hedge funds. And who's going to have more money for more funds to invest? The VCs and hedge funds, um, that's my take on it. Now our average Americans, you know, we're gonna probably potentially see our stock have a correction, potentially housing maybe, because I think there's still a whole lot of housing shortage. Um, so that might slow down that correction, but you know, I think we're still in a great space and, um, the world is changing really fast really? right now. I mean, especially if you pay attention to like everything that people are trying to come up with, with creative ideas, creative designs. The two of the most stabilized institutions, um, ins- insurance and big banks, are both being challenged by insure tech and fintech. Um, Stablecoin, USDC coins, is challenging big banks and how they have held on to our money. They've been holding on to our money Getting 20x 20 to, 20 to one leverage investment. And, um, you know, I think that's changing, right?
0: Yeah. And Jeff, uh, we don't have to go straight into that, but let's keep it from the top level so we don't really bore people and, and lose them. But I right. think that it has to do with here's what I say about crypto and everything. I think there's no doubt it's the future. I think there's no doubt mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's it Jason Cass is missing the wagon. My son is just like, he's 22. He's like, Dad. You don't understand, you know, and here's what I tell him, you know, son, I'm 43 and I'm okay with not knowing everything. I'm okay with, if this is how I miss the boat, I miss the boat, but I only need 3 million to live a great life in Florida anyways. Okay. But here's my thought. This all stops when the government regulates it and they're gonna regulate it. They're going to regulate it. That's the big thing is, oh, it's not regulated. It's until the government realizes that they can get their hands on it. Now, it's going to be hard for them to get their hands around it, but they'll figure it out. They really, truly will. Dots.
1: Well, I think it is completely regulated, right? Because most of us buy coins, tokens on the exchange, right? Every token we buy is like the share of stocks. And all the exchange in the United States that's operating, Voyager, Coinbase, Uphold, you know, BlockFi—they all regulated. You know, they all have IRS sending us our tax statements of what we gain, what we lost. Right now, today, I can lose take, take a loss on Ether and write it off on my tax returns. So it's absolutely regulated. When they say not regulated, that's because right now crypto are traded at hundred to one. Ratio. You know, typical hedge funds, I think they trade stocks for margins trading right. at 20 to 1. So crypto is being moved at 100 to 1 or whatever insane number that's all there. That's the part that's wild, wild west because you can do so much damage with so little money.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. So when it starts to challenge the USD, though, the U.S. dollar, and it starts mm-hmm. to deflate its value uh, mm-hmm. and you start to find other companies that now start to put more into crypto than the dollar and they start using that which i think would be a better thing i'm not against it i'm not against that but what i'm saying is i know how the american government is and they're gonna they're gonna put a lockdown on it to keep the usd this the currency of the future
1: so i'll give you another take on it right? okay that's
0: so why i got you here jeff
1: uh, stable Stablecoin, Stable, you know, or Circle, look up public traded company called Circle. Never heard of that one. They are, they just appealed. Okay. we um, in the process of IPO. So they are going to change the market. Right now, there's about $26 billion as of today, October 18, right? Um, in the USDC Stablecoin market. That means a lot of people deposit their money dollar for dollar, one dollar equals to one coin. They don't get the up and down, the upside of crypto like Ethereum, Bitcoin, but they get a decent return from 4% to 8%, depends on which exchange you are. Okay. So I'm going to take you back to time. Uh Uh-oh. The British government used to invade colonies, right? They used to invade countries. They had 1.200 some countries they invaded a lot of resources, a lot of lives lost, a lot of tax dollars used to invade those countries. And then in return, they are able to sell their OPMs. They are able to take their diamonds, take their oil from the African countries, and then plumbish wherever they invade and bring it back. Mm-hmm. Once World War II happened and they had to pull all the troops back, they let go of their colonization, they had to figure out a new way. That new way was the Bermuda. Ireland, Singapore, Hong Kong, right. Caymans, is called tax havens. It's called, you know, direct access to Berkeley Bank. Berkeley have like 380 institutional accounts in Cayman alone. Each account probably billions and billions and billions of tax haven money, right? Yeah. In the term of insurance, we call it reassurance. <laughs> That's how the rich wash their money with the insurance product to get a Yale on the return, right. right? They say 2003, there was something like 43 trillion, and then they stopped counting.
0: 2003.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jeff, you,
0: talked, you so, talked to me and a couple other people about this when we were in San Antonio. I don't want to cut you yeah, off there because this is but, very good, loyal hey, listeners. Hey, you need to pay attention to this. He,
1: hear me out. Here's the next part of the money, mm-hmm. right? We're trying to understand the money. How does America fight back? How does Americans fight back with so many American money? Apple, Pfizer, Cisco, Tesla, sitting in Ireland. Probably all say State Farm nationwide, right? Sitting in Ireland because they're getting a cheaper return on, the, on their tax dollars, right? Because you know our federal government like to tax our corporations. So how do we bring the money back home? If we have a product like USDC, And those companies are based in America, let's say South Dakota, Miami, Austin, Montana, these states who are building tax havens for crypto companies, legislature for crypto companies. So traditionally, the big bank states are Indianapolis and Wilmington, North Carolina and Charlotte, North Carolina. But if you have states like Montana and South Dakota going after Miami mayor, right, going after these crypto stuff, we bring the USDC back home, digital dollar, banked by a Charter Bank, so it's federally regulated. They say stablecoin and Circle and USDC product is a $40 trillion product within the next 10 years. $40 trillion. That is shift of wealth. Forget about oil money moving. We give our dollar to the Saudis, right? We give our dollars to China for retail trade. We give our dollars to Africa for diamonds. These are transitional transfer of wealth where one country give away their money for a product that gain, right? Right. Just think about when we have the whole world depositing into our U.S. dollars, into our USDC products, stablecoin. This is why China banned it because they saw their money leaving their wealth, leaving their country. Mm -hmm. They have to come up with their own product so people can ship their wealth to China because China is already surrounded by Hong Kong and Singapore, where they see enough of their Mm -hmm. wealth leaving every single day into the British empire for the past 200 years. So, Gets, well said. gets what's going to be the next reassurance. And here's the correlation to insurance, as most of our listeners are insurance. Big companies take a lot of loss, but they also have pure net gain, right? So if I'm saying, hey, I am stay Farm, I am insuring all my papers on this $100 premium. $4 I lost, I lose it. But $10 I gain, purely I gain it. Small insurance company like these insurance tech, insurance carrier, cover branch, they all play with Reinsurance really, really, really hard, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Guess what? Look at reinsurance loss. I think last year, we're like, someone came up with a number. I can't remember where I read it. There's so many smart guys on LinkedIn right now. So far this year, we already saw $15 billion of reinsurance loss. The most ever. That's because a lot wow. of people are putting their losses, instead of themselves, they're putting their losses with reinsurance company. What I'm thinking is, You see Binance, which is one of the biggest change. They're based out of Cayman. You're going to see so much money flushing into the reinsurance world from USDC, right? Stable coins. Mm -hmm. And then, matter of time, more of that money going to fintech fund, climate tech fund, insure tech fund, solar tech fund. And then it's just going to continue to shrub our space because money equals to... People, people equal to ideas. Ideas equal to vision. Vision equal to change and disruption. Right. So nice. we are. Here is the change I think is going to happen in reinsurance. We're going to see a change in how insurance pricing actually is done, and we're going to see the insurance reinsurance market become a lot more competitive. And then all the carriers wow. start saying that why am I taking loss on my own paper? Why can't I can take a loss on the reinsurance paper, smaller margins a much better ratio of how i do business how i do my expenses short time turnaround and and also they can really plant their money off the float so instead of planning having their money set aside for cat events or losses they can really reinvest their money into their people or other business like real estate business right so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think the stable coin that you SEC market will really dramatically impact the reinsurance market and then change the change from there just gonna start happening into our market because people can come in easier.
0: Hello loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, a.k.a. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com cast certified. Now I love this, and that all makes sense, and I'm not going to doubt one bit of it. I'm serious, and loyal listeners, if you didn't hear it, back it up five minutes and listen to that again. Now to put it into uh, what we want to talk about, I think you put it into very good layman's terms. But to put it into loyal listeners, some of you guys that are inside your agency, just head down, working all the time. Let me give that to you. So an insurance company, whenever they're going to pay claims, they're going to have the underwriting um, profit. The As you guys know from your contingencies, they take out any expenses, any underwriting losses, all this stuff to get to what our agency profited and then gives us a percentage of that. One of the things that the tech carriers are doing is they're realizing that they can't make it without the agent. And so what they finally have done is said, okay, let's be a go-between between the agent's distribution system and the carrier. But let's not, we don't want to carry the underwriting losses. We just want to carry, we want to create the technology for the independent insurance agent to be able to compete in the future using their product. So I'll give you an example. And I literally sat into their office and I've talked to them, Hippo Hippo has told me that one of the things that they have advantage over is they're able to go into, com- uh, into states like Florida, high-risk states. And the reason is, is because they're not so worried about the losses. The losses go to the under, or to the reinsurers. All they're they're not underwriting these policies. They're strictly providing claim service, and they're providing the technology. And you and I, the agent, are providing the distribution of it. So I don't know exactly what the percentage was. I actually do, but I want to say it. But let's say it's twenty five percent. That means that if they write a policy for ten thousand dollars on a homeowner's on a homeowner's in in um in in Florida. They're taking in $2,500, all the rest of the money is going up to the reinsurer and then they're paying you and I 10 or 15% of that. As Jeff just said, that's probably a smaller margin than what an insurance company would take if they took on the whole thing but why take that on when you can boost that to the reinsurer and then you and then you bring that reinsurer into crypto for them to be able to make some money, it offsets their losses that they would take from having an insure tech carrier riding in the state of Florida. So as Jeff, you said, the people create the vision, the vision creates the disruption. That right there is in tune. And what that does is that actually helps out our market. Right, These states that, that are neglected with low because they have high losses are actually going to be able to maybe see more carriers in there because more reinsurance companies will want to come in. Am I right about that, Jeff? I mean, you got anything to add?
1: I think so. Yeah, I mean, when you invest in companies, especially insurance company, you're scared of that big, ma- massive storm like Sandy, right? Yeah. Well, they take those worries away. You know, mm-hmm. I... You know, I... I chat with a lot of the tech carrier fund founders, right? And um, these guys sleep pretty good. Maybe outside of their normal stress of how to grow their business. But right. they don't have that crazy stress like you would think, hey, aren't you worried about that next storm, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to pivot for a second on Come the news I um, two days ago. Geico fired 135 R&D people. This is Geico. This is the elephant. Research and development r Eight hundred pound gorilla. They fire 135 people. Now, if this is going to go on LinkedIn posts, or Facebook posts, or YouTube, I love to hear our listeners view on this. Put your comments, put your comments in the comment section. Please do. This is a $500 billion Berkshire company. This is the guy that everybody trying to compete. They just terminated 135 of their Thinkers, thinkers. What's behind this? Like, what's the next move? It just puzzles me. And people in the R and D department don't make small change money. So, hmm. either they're not innovating fast enough, or they, or they want to innovate somewhere out. else. Just,
0: that that expertise of those people may not be needed
1: as much. Where they just like, f it. You guys have not done a good job. We want to send a message. If we're not innovating, you're off the boat. But 135 people, like, man. And then what's funny is I saw this one girl who got in, uh, terminated. She's in um, Indianapolis. She literally got a job two days later. I bet. Salesforce hired her. I bet. Salesforce hired her. Salesforce is a smart, innovative public traded company that have a lot lots of money. Of, lots right? of power. So that's how you heard resumes. And, I mean, these people, they can go somewhere, and they can potentially change the industry again. It's true. You know, you you tell me the people at Allstate, State Farm, Progressive, are not dying to get their hands on these people who know the whole inner working of all their mechanics, all their systems? Totally. Totally.
0: Just not not the, 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 the information they know. But as you said, of what they know of those other companies, I always wonder how that goes on, right? You see somebody who worked at Facebook um, and then they also worked at Google and they also worked at some other place. I'm thinking to myself like, man, I mean, they got to be using those secrets whether they're allowed to or not. I mean, it's just only, I mean, you were around it. You saw it. Why would you not say, hey, this worked Mm -hmm. or, hey, we did this at Google and it didn't? So um, I do agree with that, especially on these people. Now, 135 people who make a lot of money, I think I like what you're saying here. But if it goes to some of the stuff you've been talking about for the last 10 minutes, it only makes sense. Are those R&D people able to look outside of the shell they've always looked at regarding insurance? And tried to say, I mean, think of Berkshire Hathaway. They've got to be thinking because they are a huge reinsurer in certain areas, but they also have the retail side that has to make them start thinking, hey, how do we offset some of these, these, the, these losses, right? How do we start to do some of mm-hmm. that um, without necessarily being an insure tech? And maybe these people here, these hundred and whatever you said, um, they can't get outside the box. I'd love to know the average age of those people, right? That'd be interesting. I bet you it's not a bunch of 20 and 30-year-olds. No, actually, I
1: think it's pretty, young. Nah, nah, actually, think it's pretty young. They they are innovative people who who try to cut their teeth into the industry and willing to work 45 to 55 to 85 hours.
0: I heard a, I heard a a saying the other day, Jeff, that I thought was great. The guy said, an entrepreneur is the only person in the world that will work 80 hours a week to prevent him from taking a 40-hour-a-week job.
1: <laughs> Is that the truth? You ask ourselves, why do we do this madness? <laughs> and, and you know, my son, my like, son asked do do me that. Ourself?
0: Dad, I mean, why? He works eight to five. He's always home and stuff. And I am as well now. But when I was younger, I wasn't so much. And I said, it's because it's what I'm building for the future, right? I don't want to be rich today. I just don't want to work mm-hmm. forever. A person working in a factory or an eight to five job They're not going to be rich today and they are going to work forever. And I think that that's, that's kind of the difference in that. But yes, yes, yes. So anything, what about the,
1: you know, sometimes we should never know who's right. At the end of the day, if they have a richer life, you know, surrounded by their friends and family and they get to see their, you know, loved Mm -hmm. ones all the time, entrepreneurs have some high divorce rates. So, you know. That's why you need to be an insurance agent because you don't
0: have a high divorce rate because, I mean, you actually get to make up, you know, (laughs) you get to actually make up your own uh, schedule and agenda. I mean, I run four different companies um, that all make very, very, that are very profitable, but I still sleep eight hours a night minimum. I still see my family until eight in the morning and I see them after four. Um, I think the reason why one of the reasons is, is that number one, entrepreneurs of a startup, a billion dollar company, a little different than what Jason's doing. But I think one of the problems, even independent insurance agents have is the lack of delegation. They try to do it all themselves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Steve Jobs said it the best. I don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. I hire smart people and have them tell me what to do. And I think that is something that I have followed very, very well. Now it's not cheap. Everybody wants to hire a $35,000 a year person. Not saying that that's not a lot to anybody listening. I'm just saying you want to hire a $30,000 a year person and have them try to run your office in your empire. That's not going to work very well. You're going to need to pay somebody 70, 80 to $100,000 a year, depending on where you live in, in the world, to be able to delegate those tasks. He said smart people. He didn't say anybody.
1: It's just my thoughts. Agreed. Okay. You know, go back to big, big, big eye. I think, you know, our industry is great, but for us to compete at the next level, we need a hundred thousand more salespeople, right? Between the direct appointments to the aggregators, to the franchise networks, I think there's probably close to a hundred thousand sales force out there. Wow. Um, If you add the captive guys, there's definitely a hundred thousand plus, but for us to compete in the next level against the big direct-to-consumer, the guy going to progress of the world, we uh, we have to add at least one salesperson per agency that's full-time selling and that have leads pumping in because that's the only way this industry can compete is literally just go back to the simple stuff, the basics.
0: Well, think about this. Uh, most agents go after non-standard business, right? And I hate using the word non-standard, but there's agents who excel at it and make a crap load of money. And then there's agents who go out for, after the above average to preferred client. And I think mm-hmm. one of the problems that I don't think personal lines is going to go away, but I believe segments are. For instance, Tesla now is going to be coming out with their own um, insurance. And I love what they've done. They're doing away with married wa- woman, uh, man, their age. They're doing it all away. It's just based on how you drive. You're starting to see people like Cadillac
1: and stuff. How the car drive.
0: Yeah. I mean, they can follow it.
1: Remember, right now, insurance actually really have been done on the person. Right. Right. Your name, your date of birth, your age, right? Your age, your your marriage, right? And um, they collect the information on you, your clue right. history, your your claim history, your ticket history, your credit. Insurance, insurance actually was done on the people. Tesla is doing the insurance actuary on the car, which makes sense.
0: I mean, seriously. That, that, that I mean, I I think that it, he's going to prove that correct. You know, one of the big things. Um, what's her name? Carrie, Carrie, um, huh?
1: Carrie,
0: from Loop. She might be. It's ODM is where she started. It may be. Uh, Carrie. Uh, the the.
1: Huh. Carrie it's Wallace. not
0: Carrie Wallace. I can't think of her name. She's one of the most brilliant women I've ever interviewed in my entire life. I've had her on twice. And what her what her company does is actually studies the fact that um the the driver is a is a key indicator. Mm-hmm. but another big indicator is the area in which you drive. potholes driving west in the morning or I mean east in the morning, versus driving west in the afternoon with sun glares. How, how fast are the curves? She has, um, she, she has software crazy. that proves that. And I even told her, and I, I told her if she makes this millions, she needs to get me involved. Um, I could see in the future where Google Maps doesn't just give you the fastest time, but maybe it could give you the most safe way to go. So this weighs an hour and 25 minutes. This is an hour and 35 minutes. But it's a lot more safe and is proven to have less accidents.
1: I can see
0: that. Yeah. And so I think this, so here's what I'm going with. When you have Cadillac and some of these companies are coming out with, hey, for $1,500 a month, you can have a new car, right? Every Mm -hmm. month or week or whatever that is. And Mm -hmm. they supply the the insurance for that. I think we're going to start seeing the Teslas and the different models to where my point was, is that segment of that above average to preferred client, I think is going to shrink. I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to shrink. And I think that's going to put agents like myself, loyal listeners, because I'm the person who doesn't write non-standard business. I'm the person who only writes above average to preferred. And looking down the line in that, those are the people who are going to be driving the Teslas in
1: that. she. You know, you know what's also shrinking? You talk about that. Cincinnati risk, right? The people that Erie, Grange, Cincinnati loves, mm-hmm. the the prefer yep. clientele. Our population is shrinking. We need to have two point one children per ever family household in order to keep it net zero, like it's flat, right? One
0: point, what is it? One point six or some shit like that, right now?
1: Scary, yeah. right? Yeah, if we don't have immigration coming into our country. We are effed as a population growth. And I read a crazy number, Japan and China, at 1.3. Yeah. So that means every two people that's dying off, there's 1.3. Replacing. Person, right. They are shrinking their population at 35%. Oh, shit. That's a good way to look at that. Yeah. On top of that, you know, we call the 40, 45 age household married that population the preferred market right because you're 45 you're safe you are parents or grandparents in the future that population is not growing the population that is growing is the people who don't want kids the people who are just renting the people who are just driving around their ubers right so we're going to see the landlord product really grow you know the people like ob of the world really is in good place because you know, people can have 10, 20, 30 more rental properties because of the new lifestyle that young kids are building. It's very so, wild. Yeah. So that market is already shrinking, not by Tesla, by just by natural mortality.
0: So I found her, Carrie Ann Nadayu. She, that is her name. I'm telling you, Jeff, you got to get to know this lady. Yes, she is the CEO at Loop. You were correct. You were absolutely correct. Yeah. She had, I'm looking at her activity here. She used to be with, I guess she rebranded Loop because it, it used to be like OBD or something like that. Yeah, she's from MIT. That woman is impressive. She sees the world completely different. And I love her attitude because she's real extrovert, like is not scared to tell you that you're wrong or her. Well, she doesn't necessarily tell you you're wrong, but she's, she's, she does, but she, does. but but she's She's also very very sure to (laughs) assert herself as to why she thinks that. I think I'm serious. I think she's probably one of the top five smartest people I've ever talked to. Now, I'm not talking women. I'm talking smartest people. Because when you hear her, she's very enjoyable.
1: By the way, my wife just walked in the door. Like okay, yeah. So I was about to do a podcast in the dark.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she's she's energy conscious. God love her. Hey, Ra- <laughs> Jay. She. I want to wrap this up. I try to keep them a little bit short now. Um, let's let's try and wrap this up in the next five minutes. Sure. Um, but I think how this is overall affecting the industry is is kind of what we've been talking about here. And I think one thing that, that the insure techs have proven to this industry is once again that the best distribution system out there is the independent insurance agent. And, and, and I'm sorry, 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 just not them. Okay, captives too, captives too. The people who carry the relationship are the most important. And I think in the long run, insure tech carriers believe that technology will drive this, it will. But where they're right right now is they're starting to be stand next to us. I heard Daniel Burris, one of the smartest futurists I've ever heard, and loyal listeners, you know I talk about him all the time. He was on my podcast, and one of the things that I asked him, I said, "I said, what is the future of insurance? And he said, Jason, I don't know much, but the only thing I know is that the future relation is relationships. And he says, here's an example to take us outside of our cocoon. It's not so much the lawyer with four paralegals who is trying to fight and trying to find the, um, that is trying to get a client based on prior court records or court cases. It's now that one lawyer who has AI technology and other things around him, technology around him or her, around him or her, that allows them to now excel more than the four paralegals. And I think the insure tech is starting to realize that that's what Jason needs. Jason doesn't need to hire more VAs. Jason doesn't need to hire more staff. Jason needs to have the technology of five to 10 staff members. And I think that once the insure techs really start to figure that out, that that's where their genius is, not trying to set rates, not trying to say, hey, we can make you more efficient, but actually saying, how can we make Jason more knowledgeable at the time of sale? Yeah. It's all about claims right now. It's all about the service. It's all about how we do this for insurance companies. How is an insure tech carrier valuable to me at the time of sale? When they start figuring that out, then they're going to have some some really really you know, big breakthroughs. I they think really The next
1: breakthrough for insurance got to be claims. I mean, we've been talking about insurance carrier, the, the pricing, the distribution. Yeah. I don't think there's enough short tech companies right now in the claim department because between the supply distribution of housing market, automotive market, any claim right now is being settled in the record long numbers. Like people are waiting weeks and months for a check or even a year plus to settle a claim. These type of things are horrible That's for ridiculous. our industry, horrible for people to think about insurance, horrible for the consumer experience. And what do you call that thing when two insurance companies just going back and forth? Um, I'm drawing blank. Segregation. Like, that process should not be that long. And it is that long. And no. then Right now, when on this specific amount, insurance, they don't get paid on it. Let's just say you rear enemy me, right? There should be a fast process for you to pay me really fast. Versus me chasing you for that dollar forever.
0: It can be tough.
1: So the flow of money, if it becomes faster, then the waste, the loss of expenses go lower. And then this can help our insurance. Actual risk can help the profitability of these companies. But right now, there just hasn't been any innovation because, you know, attorneys, they play a big chunk in this area and they slow everything down. So, you know.
0: They do. They absolutely do. So I'm out here taking some notes, and I got a ton of them over here, Jeff. Um, for all you loyal listeners, just to know, Jeff and I are recording this on 10-18, which is a Monday. I never do them on 18, on the Monday, except when Jeff she says, hey, Cass, we got to spit some game. Um, and it's 10:04 in the morning. And also, I've got a lot of notes, but I also just emailed Carrie and said, Carrie... Girlfriend, it is time for us to do it another one. That's exactly what I said because that's how I talk to everybody. Um, guys get a little weird about it, but it's okay. It makes them remember me. And uh, I'm going to get her back on and you and I are going to get on and talk to her about her genius.
1: That's cool. Yeah,
0: I, I just absolutely agree. You know,
1: I, I love for us to, I might look into my connection a little bit. I love for us to chat with somebody from the reinsurance world. Yeah. Whether it's Munich Re, American Family, uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, reinsurance ventures, maybe Hudson Capital, Mm -hmm. right? Um, They are seeing money flowing like never before on the both side of their venture side and their reinsurance side. So that'd be kind of cool, because this is really one of the biggest change into our industry. And uh, we need to get some of their boys out here.
0: We do. We do. I have like somebody that. actually. I, well, and the reason why I'm fading off here, I'm trying to think if I know anybody at that high level, um, somebody who's high level, but like is high level of the high level, right? We we mm-hmm. gotta we gotta we gotta demand, we deliver quality <laughs> up on here, okay? Jeff, she, I'm gonna let you go. Anything you want to say wrapping up, so I can get back to selling insurance.
1: Have a great week, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening.
0: Loyal listeners, I hope that you liked what you got. I mean, you got 44 minutes. I've been trying to keep these to 30, but I knew we wouldn't go there with Jeff and I on. Him and I sat around and just talked about this in Oklahoma. We wanted to do a podcast right there, but I didn't bring any of my equipment. Um, But uh, if any of you guys get a chance, if any of you are listening out there and you are wanting to do... Um, you're wanting some people to speak. I'll be more than happy to speak, but also Jeff She really impressed me with uh, his message that he had. It was his story. It was about achieving. It was about believing in yourself, but most importantly, believing in your staff and your people, and that you're nothing without them. So, and he he he's lived that. He's going to show you videos of what his agency was like in the past and what it's like now today. He's going to show you how he's writing what two and a half million, three million a month. So, my,
1: my team not me
0: yeah not you your team right that's right mm-hmm. but people all need a vision and then when you get that they get disruption jeff she i do appreciate you and uh, i'm i'm so glad that this industry got you i am so glad that you dominated all states so much that they kicked your ass out because now we got you <laughs> now we got you over here all right man <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, loyal listeners, you know, I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Cass. He's she. We're out. Hey, agents. Listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows.